Music is not something you can use words to describe. Music is either in the air and you find it, or it is in the air and you don't find it, but you just don't try hard enough. You can be educated to play the piano, you can be educated about chords, you can be educated about scales, you can be educated about everything there is to do with music, and you are still zero until you let go of what holds you back. And all of us could possibly not be held back, but most of us don't let it happen. You just heard the words of Keith Jarrett, a world-renowned jazz musician, talking about the importance of letting go of things that hold us back in order to play music to our fullest potential. But when you think of those words, what exactly did Keith mean? Today on the show, we are going to unpack the idea of self-imposed limitations and what can be done to break through those limitations in a way that allows us to genuinely access the gifts and talents that we possess. Stay tuned for more of Keith Jarrett's story a little later in the show. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast, and as always, I have great appreciation for your time and energy and for listening to any episode that you can. Wherever you're listening right now, I want to give you an update on the podcast. Uh, The next few months will be a pretty cool time as I've been able to lock in some excellent guests. So I just want to share a little bit about who my guests are right now uh, so that you might tune in over the next few weeks to upcoming episodes. I'm not sure if anyone out there has watched the Netflix series Last Chance U, which is a fantastic true life documentary series about the game of American football, a real passion of mine. I played American football for many years in uh, my younger days, but the first and second seasons of the show explore the football program at East Mississippi Community College which features several collegiate athletes that have had trouble in their lives and have struggled with finding structure and purpose. The school featured in this Netflix series, uh, Eastern Mississippi Community College, gave these athletes all a second chance in life and in sport. Their stories are both inspiring and heartbreaking. And as these athletes work endlessly to get their lives back in order and to get an education, there is one person in particular who devoted herself to helping their cause. 
This woman's name is Brittany Wagner, the school's academic advisor. Brittany's work and her efforts were featured in this documentary series, and she really did help to turn around the lives of so many of the athletes who, after their time at Eastern Mississippi, went on to get scholarships with uh, Division I schools and eventually play professionally in either the NFL or the CFL, the Canadian Football League. Uh, Brittany has agreed to join me later in February on the podcast to share her inspiring story, her book, and the work that she has devoted herself to. Uh, Her story is amazing, and she has been a true difference maker in the lives of so many. As well, in later February, I also have Dr. Charles Feltman coming on the show. Uh, Dr. Feltman wrote the best-selling book, The Thin Book of Trust. And it really is a thin book. I think it's only 89 pages or something like that. But Charles is a world-renowned expert on the theme of trust, and he will come on the show to provide my listeners with deep insight into how trust can be strengthened in both your personal and professional life. He has worked with top businesses and companies around the world, helping them to prioritize trust in order to put people first. Dr. Feltman's work has been widely recognized around the world, and renowned author and podcaster Brene Brown, who many of you probably already know, uh, Brene has actually shared multiple times on her own show the impact that Charles has had on her own work and life. Charles has agreed to come on the podcast on February 25th, and I look very forward to this conversation and sharing it with you. Fast forward a week after Charles' podcast, I actually have best-selling author and podcaster Todd Herman also coming on the show at the beginning of March. Uh, Todd wrote the bestseller, The Alter Ego Effect, and has worked very closely with countless top performers around the world, including top Hollywood actors and actresses, Olympians, NFLers, top tennis players, and number ones in multiple other sports. He's got an amazing story, Uh, really he does, and in addition to working with athletes and actors and actresses, he has also worked with Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and top commanding officers in the U.S. military. His work is devoted to helping people to achieve their very best and in the process make their own impact in the world. I can't wait for that discussion. I've read Todd's book a couple times, and I really look forward to unpacking the book itself in our conversation on March 2nd. So I also hope you tune into that conversation. As we move into today's episode, I want to take this opportunity to frame up the purpose of my new podcast series that I'm in the midst of creating with the first episode actually being the one you're going to hear today. I have always been the type of person who is deeply moved by powerful stories, stories that inspire and help me to better understand myself, my work, and my craft, and I always find tremendous value through stories, and the learning that is sparked by these stories always helps me to really think about what is possible in regards to the resilient human spirit. 
When I think of the power that stories hold in the lives of humans, a couple quotes come to mind. The first quote is one that I read in the Harvard Business Review a while back, and the quote is this, to involve people at the deepest level possible, we all need stories that inspire us to take action. Another quote that comes to mind when I think about the power of story is from famous Japanese author Hayao Miyazaki, and what he says is this, I do believe in the power of story. I believe that stories have an important role to play in the formation of human beings. Stories stimulate, amaze, and inspire their listeners. The fact is that humans have been telling stories for thousands of years, sharing them orally even before the invention of writing. And in one way or another, much of people's lives are spent telling stories or hearing stories, and oftentimes these stories are about other people. There really is so much value to be found in hearing stories. Just take a moment to reflect on your own life and all of the amazing stories that you've heard over the years. What stories come to mind? And how did these stories make you feel or think? Did they spark fear or did they inspire you? Did they make you cry or did they bring you joy? What ultimately did you learn from the stories that you've heard? As humans, we are wired to listen to stories and to learn from them as they allow us to peek into someone's conscious, to see how other people think. Stories can affirm our own beliefs and perceptions, but more often, they challenge us to think and sometimes to take action in our lives in a multitude of ways. Much of my own learning over the years has stemmed directly from inspiring stories I have heard or read, stories that made me want to be a better human and to take all of that learning and to think to myself, how does this apply to me? How can I take what I've learned from this story and apply it in my own personal and professional life? Maybe that is learning about how to be a better husband or father. Maybe it's related to how I can be a better athlete or be more physically fit or more mentally and emotionally strong. Maybe it's learning about how to be a better friend, a better mentor, or a better coach. The truth is that I am always learning from stories, as I'm sure all of you are too. So the plan is, maybe this is very ambitious, but the plan is to do a 10-part series with each episode devoted to sharing one story that has changed me in some way. And what the story I am sharing has sparked me to think more deeply about. I really do hope that in some way, shape, or form, these stories inspire you too and help you to think differently about your own life, to think about what's possible and that these stories ignite some form of action in your own life that help you to become a better version of yourself, and in that process, possibly even produce the very best work that you can for the world in order to have your own unique impact. The first story I have decided to share in this podcast series is the story of the broken piano. 
a beautiful story that is a perfect metaphor for the vast human potential that lives within each one of us, despite the flaws, the imperfections, and the so-called limitations that we possess. And the story begins with a broken piano. And it's about something that happened in Cologne, Germany in 1975, and is a story about legendary jazz pianist Keith Jarrett. So who is Keith Jarrett? Well, let's learn a little bit about him. And he's got an amazing story, but it begins on May 8th, 1945. Uh, Keith is most known for being an American jazz and classical pianist and composer. And uh, in his teens, he learned jazz and became very proficient at it, very competent. But he also developed a strong interest in classical music. And he was so good at playing classical music on the piano that he actually received an offer to study classical composition in Paris, which was an opportunity that certainly pleased his mother Irma and made her extremely proud. Keith was an amazing classical pianist. In the background right now, you can hear an example of just how good he was. This is a Bach piece that he played in concert in front of thousands of people. Although he possessed an amazing level of competence as a classical pianist, Jarrett was so enthralled and fascinated by jazz that he actually turned down the offer to study in Paris in order to pursue his dreams of becoming a famous jazz musician. You can imagine his mother's disappointment in him turning down the offer to study in Paris. But Keith was determined, and soon after turning down the Paris offer, he decided to move to New York to follow his passion and to see what was to become in his life. This path in New York led him to studying jazz music in school and playing in small-time cocktail bars whereupon one day he caught the eye of a Miles Davis promoter. At the time, Miles Davis was the biggest and most prolific jazz musician in the world and is still known to this day as one of the best jazz musicians of all time. Miles Davis was very impressed with Keith and extended an invitation for him to come and play with him. And Keith would go on to play with Miles Davis and ended up performing on several of his albums, including Miles Davis at Fillmore, live at the Fillmore East, the Cellar Door Sessions, and also uh, Keith's keyboard playing featured prominently on Davis's Live Evil album. Jarrett also played electric organ on Get Up With It, and some other tracks from this period were released much later in Keith's career. In the background, you can hear Keith playing electric organ at one of Miles Davis's concerts back in the early 70s. 
Keith was actually one of the first jazz pianists to play electric organ, and although he wasn't used to it, he went with the flow and learned very quickly. He was a firm believer in the power of music, but more importantly, the power to improvise and create. Keith would go on to play concerts all around the world, but an event that would change his life forever was a day back in 1975 in Cologne, Germany. A day that for the first time ever, he did not want to take the stage and play his music at all because he thought he was destined for absolute failure, which was a feeling that he had never experienced in his life as a musician. So now we have Vera Brandes entering our story. Vera was a 17-year-old girl who was a musician herself with quite a bit of talent, and she was very ambitious, Uh, loved jazz music, loved music in general, uh, but she was somehow able to convince the manager of the 1,400-seat Cologne Opera House to host a Keith Jarrett concert. But more amazingly, she was able to somehow convince Keith Jarrett to come and perform. Although skilled as a musician, Vera did not have the abilities to come even close to matching the skills of Keith, but she was a massive fan and hoped to bring his amazing music to the diehard jazz musicians of Cologne, Germany and the surrounding areas. A musician she was, but an event organizer not so much. Due to the lack of communication and other issues, Vera did not clearly think through a number of logistics related to Keith's concert in Cologne that night. And in her haste, she absentmindedly forgot to even check the piano that he would be playing on in front of the audience. No sound check at all, nor did she even step foot on the stage to eye the setup or test out the acoustics. Obviously, as an experienced musician... Keith has to ensure that the instrument he's going to play on is top quality. So when he showed up on the day of the concert, he asked Vera immediately to meet the piano he would be performing on that night to get acquainted with the instrument that he would be playing. But what both Vera and Keith noticed right away was that it was a rehearsal type of model that was probably from some little corner someplace in the theater a piano that had probably collected dust for years and sparingly used. Why this piano was even on the stage was a mystery. Maybe it was a prop for a previous show. Who knows? It wasn't even a grand piano, the type of piano that Keith was used to playing on. And as Keith remembered and described years later, the keys were sticking and the pedals didn't work. The felt was completely worn away from the upper register of the piano, causing it to sound very harsh and tinny. And due to the fact that it wasn't a grand piano, it wasn't loud enough. And what this meant to Keith was that he would have to slam down on the keys to create sound loud enough to reach the audience. Quite simply, it was a very bad piano. And although Keith was a free thinker, an innovator, and creator of amazing music, he felt as though this environment, given the circumstances, was not a space he wanted to even attempt to play his music in. 
How could Keith possibly play a broken piano half the size of what he was used to, especially in front of an audience of 1,400 fans who looked up to him? In his mind, it would be an injustice and would make him look bad. He would look like a low-rate amateur, and on top of that, he was known as a perfectionist who needed everything just right to be able to work his magic. Despite the creativity and artistic flair he infused into every note while playing previous concerts, he wasn't willing to take the risk to play on that cold, dark, and gray winter night in January 1975, as he sat on the broken piano on the stage of the Clone Opera House. He played a few more notes, but immediately said to Vera, no way. I can't play this piano. He tried jostling and tossling around on the keyboard for a few more minutes to try to see what was possible, but he gave up after another minute and simply told Vera that he was not going to play. He got up and walked out of the opera house back to his rental car and lit up his smoke as he sat there staring off into the dark gray afternoon skies. Meanwhile, back inside, Vera, of course, was in full-blown panic mode. Because in approximately two hours' time, 1,400 paying customers would be descending into their seats, getting ready in anticipation to watch Keith play. So if you were Vera, what would you do? You can imagine what she was thinking about in that moment. What was she actually going to tell the audience? The show is canceled. He didn't show up. What was she actually going to do? Even though she was in tears, she collected herself and she decided to walk out into the cold rain and literally beg Keith Jarrett to change his mind. As she stood outside his car and pleaded with him to follow through with the concert, Keith, in that moment, realized she was just a kid and he actually began to feel sorry for her. 1,400 people were about to show up for a concert that he would not perform in. There simply would be no concert at all, so what was he going to do? Feeling a sense of compassion and empathy for Vera in that moment, he looked up at her through the car window and said, Never forget. Never forget what I am about to do for you tonight. He agreed to do the show and the rest is history. When showtime came, Keith walked across the stage and plopped himself down on the broken piano, and with a full house watching intently, he began to perform. And perform he did. This was supposed to be a disaster in the making, given the fact that he was playing on a broken, out-of-tune piano. Keith didn't just work with what he had in that moment, but he was literally able to create magic. And for the next 90 minutes, he went on to produce what many avid jazz fans and musicians think was his very best performance ever. Keith Jarrett had been handed a mess, yet he made a decision to embrace that mess, and he soared. improvised, he created, and he accepted that this is what he had to work with. 
His fingers worked magically across the keyboard from low range to high range keys that were in tune and working, while at the same time avoiding the sticky, out of tune keys and pedals that didn't work. He stood tall above the piano and painstakingly pounded down on the keys with his full body weight to project the beautiful musical notes down towards the seats of the theater. And as the muscles in his arms and hands burned and sweat poured down his forehead onto the keys, Keith kept going. Each piece he played oozed creativity and passion as he continued to explore his way around the keyboard. And the audience was simply blown away. And when all was said and done, Keith had created a masterpiece for the ages. Keith's music producers went with him wherever he was, and weeks after the show, they decided to release this absolutely astonishing performance as an album. The Cologne Opera House concert would go on to become the best selling jazz piano album of all time. Many would argue that Keith Jarrett was a master of his craft and had literally put thousands of hours into honing his skills as a jazz pianist. So of course, he could work with a broken piano in a way that allowed him to still create such beautiful music. But to me, when I heard this story, it really is about so much more than Keith possessing the extraordinary skills needed to play the masterpiece that he did on that evening back in 1975. This story is a powerful metaphor for the human potential that exists within each and every one of us, despite the flaws, the imperfections, and the insecurities we possess in regards to the ability that we have to rise to difficult challenges that we face in our lives. I really do see every single one of us as not only being the broken piano itself, but also the incredibly talented musician that has the courage to sit down at the piano and try to create something beautiful with what they have. We are all the broken pedals, the sticky keys, and the worn down felt. Yet, at the same time, we also possess the infinite potential to rise to any challenge that life throws at us, to metaphorically play beautiful music with a broken piano. Former American World Alpine ski racer and Olympic gold medalist Picablo Street believed that to be able to uncover our true potential, we must first find our own limits and then have the courage to blow past them. On that cold winter night in Germany 47 years ago, the broken piano was Keith Jarrett's greatest limitation. And he initially refused to play as he felt it was a disaster in the making. There was simply no way he could create any kind of music on that piano, let alone the masterpiece he would go on to create later that night. What if Keith had stayed in the car that night, finished his cigarette, and drove away never to come back? And what if he had never even sat down on the broken piano and forced himself to work with what he had? 
And lastly, what did he have to let go of within himself to be able to go through with the Cologne concert despite the enormous obstacles he faced on that night? Well-known high-performance psychologist Dr. Michael Gervais, host of the fantastic podcast Finding Mastery, often talks about the biggest psychological threat nowadays for humans is the fear of other people's opinions of us. The fear we have of being judged, ridiculed, and criticized by others. Dr. Gervais coined the acronym FOPO, F-O-P-O, meaning fear of people's opinions, several years ago to capture the idea that we are often held back by our fear of judgment from others. Was FOPO also what Keith Jarrett might have experienced in that moment? And did he have to let go of what other people might think of him if he wasn't able to create the type of music that he usually does? The inspiring Jim Rohn once said in one of his speeches that we must believe in our infinite potential and that our only limitations are those we set upon ourselves. How will we ever know the true potential we have to deal with adversity if we are not willing to put ourselves out there despite the fear and self-doubt that might be sweeping through us in our greatest moments of challenge and hardship? And what self-imposed limitations do we continue to place on ourselves when it comes to pursuing things that matter most to us? And how often do we give up even before we begin to think about what is actually possible in our lives? The broken piano to me is just a metaphor for the countless obstacles we all face, both big and small, in our lives on a daily basis and the internal strengths and skills that we can tap into within ourselves to not only cope with the circumstances thrown at us, but to actually thrive and flourish in the process. Whatever it is we're trying to get better at or improve on or um, to embark on a new journey, whatever it is, it might be a broken relationship in our life that we're trying to mend, maybe it's completing a master's, or getting back to the gym, starting to run again. Maybe it's winning a starting spot on a sports team, or finishing that book we started to write a long time ago, or even standing on the stage to give a talk. Perhaps it's even breaking off a relationship that we must break off, or quitting our jobs in order to pursue a new career. The examples here are endless. But the point is that having the courage to take action is what matters most. Despite the uncertainty of outcome or letting our fears and doubts get in the way of achieving our true potential to break through in ways that we never imagined. When I heard the story about Keith Jarrett and the broken piano, I was immediately drawn back to so many examples in my own life that I had a choice to make. And sometimes I chose well and other times I didn't. But what I do know is that when I had the strength and courage to face my self-imposed limitations and take action in ways that I needed to, I always achieved more than I thought that I was capable of. And I really think that is the biggest lesson from this story today. Keith's story has inspired me to share it with you wherever you're listening right now. 
And I really do hope that this story will help you to reflect on your own life and difficult challenges or circumstances that you have faced and will continue to face. How you choose to navigate those challenges is completely up to you. One thing in life is certain, though. Obstacles, roadblocks, and challenges will always exist. That just goes along with the terrain and contours of being human. But how we choose to approach difficult or challenging times is what matters most. And in regards to dealing with hardship and threat, this is based on science Our brains are neurologically wired to either fight or flee or even freeze. But I'm here to challenge you to think about whether or not there's another way. Can we choose to tell ourselves another story? Can we choose to redefine what is possible in our lives by doubling down on trusting ourselves, our internal strengths, and our abilities to navigate even the trickiest of waters. How can we face our limitations in a way that not only unlocks our potential, but allows us to thrive and flourish in the process? These are the things that I'm hoping that my listeners can reflect on. And as we wrap this episode up, I will leave you with the words of Janine Shepard, a true hero of mine. She's an inspiring Australian author, aerobatics pilot, and former world-class cross-country skier whose Olympic career was cut short by life-threatening injuries sustained in a serious accident. Although Janine was told she would never walk again and barely survive the accident, she defied all odds to not only walk, but go on to impact the world in amazing ways through her work. By doubling down on what was possible in her life, she took action, reframed her narrative, and inspired millions of people around the world. In Janine's TED Talk, she said this. Our bodies may be limited, but it's our spirit that's unstoppable. I now know that it wasn't until I let go of who I thought I was that I had the freedom to create something completely new for my life. It wasn't until I let go of the life I thought I was supposed to have, that I'd worked so hard for, that I was able to embrace the possibilities that waited for me. I now know that my real strength never came from my body. Unlike anything you can lose in life, the defiant human spirit remains steadfast. And of this I'm certain, I am not my body. And you, my dear friends, are not yours. When you choose courage in the face of fear, you defy the things that hold you back from greatness. It's a daunting task. And you might well ask, where do I begin? Where do I start? Well, perhaps the simple words of this poem might offer a clue. He said to build a better world. I said I would, but how? The world is such a cold, dark place and complicated now. For I am small and helpless. There's nothing I can do. He said, of course there is. Just build a better you.
And with that, thank you very much for tuning into my podcast and listening to the story of Keith Jarrett and the broken piano. May it truly spark something within yourself that helps you to continue putting in the work needed to become a better version of yourself. And may you continue to make a difference in whatever it is you are passionate about or pursuing in your life. The world needs people to do great work, now more than ever. Please share this episode with anyone who you think will benefit from listening. And keep shining, thriving, and making a difference. Thank you so much. Andy Vassily.